Hi, everyone, and welcome to another ESICM and Next Collaboration podcast. My name is Emilio Rodriguez Ruiz. I am intensivist at the University Clinic Hospital in Santiago de Compostela, Spain, and an ESICM Next committee member. Joining me today, we have the great pleasure to introduce Professor Jan de Wale, intensivist at Gand University Hospital in Belgium. He holds a senior clinical investigator fellowship grant from the Research Foundation Flanders, focusing on optimization of antibiotic therapy in critically ill patients. He's also the past chair of the research committee of the European Society of Intensive Care Medicine. We will be, we will be talking about the recent ICM publication, Clinical and Organizational Factors Associated with Mortality During the Peak of First COVID-19 Wave, the Global Unite COVID Study. Jan. Welcome to the program and congratulations on this fantastic publication. I could encourage everyone listening to this podcast to read this article in full. The ESICM Unite COVID is a one-day multicenter international point prevalence study. It's the largest COVID ICU cohort reported to date with almost 5,000 adult patients admitted to 280 ICUs located in 46 countries in five continents between February 15th and May 15th, 2020. Jan, could you please describe how ICUs worldwide responded to the global burden of COVID-19 admissions? Thank you, um, Emilio. Let me first thank you and the uh, next committee for the opportunity to discuss the findings of the main analysis of the United COVID project. We're now working on a number of uh, secondary analysis, so um, there will definitely come more from this. Now, when we um, looked in this uh, project at the response of the ICUs that participated, of course, we need to keep in mind that COVID was an unprecedented situation. So we were not aware of what was coming to us. And depending on the location, um, some centers probably had more time to prepare for what was coming after observing what had happened in other countries. Now, COVID Unite was a unique study as we also collected data uh, from how the units responded. Remember, this is from the peak in the first wave. So we really got a snapshot of the worst moments these units, these hospitals were in. And the only study uh, to demonstrate what actually happened, how the units responded, and also study how this related to patient outcome. Now, apart from patient data, we also collected data on centers, how they were organized before and during the search. Now, we learned that two-thirds of the units increased their capacity, and overall it increased to 155% of the bed capacity in units. Uh, and in more than 60%, this was also expanding capacity in non-ICU locations, but patients were cared for by ICU healthcare professionals. We, for instance, um, noticed that the number of patients per nurse in the IC, in these ICUs increased from two to 2.4. Uh, and in a lot of these uh, units, non-ICU nurses were also deployed in COVID ICUs. In all, 40% of COVID patients in this current analysis were admitted to these, what we call surge capacity beds. So now, considering the results of the study, what was the typical profile of a critically ill COVID-19 patient during the first wave? Well, in our study, Emilio, the typical COVID patient at that moment was male, around 60, overweight to obese, 
and often suffering from comorbidities with the arterial hypertension being the most prevalent comorbidity. These patients were typically admitted for respiratory failure, usually within 24 hours of hospital admission. And on presentation, they had this typically inflammatory response with fever, leukocytes. We've seen it a lot, of course. Typical patient in the study was also severely ill. Most of the patients required invasive mechanical ventilation. Overall, during the whole study period, more than 85% required mechanical ventilation. And admission already, roughly half of them was actually intubated. The others were intubated during hospitalization. A lot of these patients were prone, more than 60%, and 4.5% were treated with uh, ECMO. A lot of vasoactive drugs, 75%, one out of four required renal replacement therapy, and a lot of infections also occurred in these patients, over 50%. So clearly, these patients were uh, severely ill, requiring a lot of organ support. Our striking observation um, from the study is also that the treatment administered in these different centers during this first wave was highly variable. Both pharmacological therapy, remember the use of antivirals, uh, the use of uh, steroids, as well as uh, strategies for respiratory support, uh, non-invasive ventilation, high flow nasal oxygen, et cetera, et cetera. But really this, this um, severity of illness was high and it highlights that these uh, patients uh, in the, treated in the first wave, again, it's important to remember this, had a high severity of disease presentation and throughout ICU-SA. And uh, John, uh, do you find uh, any differences uh, between patients who were admitted to surge capacity beds compared to standard ICU beds? And if there have been, why uh, do you think this is? Thank you, this, this is really an important question. And, and, and again, a unique feature of this study that we were able to look at the surge capacity beds and the patients uh, that were in these beds. So overall, remember, almost 40% of the patients were admitted in a surge capacity bed. We have detailed uh, um, location, so we were able, able to uh, study this aspect. Now, we couldn't uh, find any differences um, in, in an outcome, and I'll come back to that uh, later. But overall, we did notice that, that although patients were comparable overall, there were some slight differences in both um, patient characteristics as well as the use of uh, support. Uh, invasive mechanical ventilation was less frequent as well as renal replacement therapy and ECMO in surge capacity uh, bed patients. It's really difficult to tell why this is and for sure, regional differences will also be, will be there. One center may have managed these uh, patients uh, differently than, than, than others. It's unclear how these beds were used in a specific center. So what type of patients and, and also very important consideration how the medical and nursing staff was uh, organized and also what infrastructure was present for these really uh, well-prepared um, um, units that had infrastructure comparable to a usual ICU bed, or was it maybe inferior in some uh, in some hospitals? So let's now move on and focus on mortality. In line with previous studies, overall mortality in this population was high, with roughly one of three patients admitted to the ICU because of COVID-19 not surviving. However, admissions to surge capacity beds was not 
associated with increased mortality compared to standard ICU beds. Jan, what do you think this is due to? Right, Emilio. Uh, so overall, crude mortality was not different. And in the multivariable analysis we did, it was not associated with outcomes. So the um, area where a patient was admitted, whether it was a standard ICU bed or a surge capacity ICU bed, it didn't make a difference. Um, we must, of course, add, as already mentioned, that there were some differences between patients and multiple organ failure may have been less common in the surge capacity bed. So some selection at admission may have played a role and we may not have um, we may not have recorded all variables that could, could affect the outcome. But there are other explanations that could apply. One of them is the sequence of admission uh, that may, may have played a role. So it's, it's um, logical to think that patients who were admitted early on in the face of the uh, pandemic were admitted to the standard capacity ICU beds. But as these beds were filled and surge capacity beds were opened, um, patients were um, subsequently admitted to surge capacity beds more often, of course. We have to acknowledge that insights were evolving rapidly and these patients may have been treated differently as well. So patients admitted in a surge capacity bed maybe weeks later compared to the patients that were already admitted to the standard capacity ICU bed. And remember also that the length of stay in these patients was prolonged in many of them. Now, on the other hand, I also think this reflects the efficiency in ICU organization to uphold the quality of care throughout all the units for all patients in, in all beds. Um, help from other departments in this hospital certainly contributed to this as well. Remember that in many hospitals, elective surgery, elective admissions had been halted and all resources were uh, diverted to emergency rooms and, and ICUs. But clearly also the commitment, professionalism of the ICU healthcare workers has played a decisive role here, uh, trying to match the level of care to the severity of the disease in the individual patients. So as you previously mentioned, in this study, you have also performed a multivariable analysis for mortality. Could you please tell us uh, which variables were associated with increased mortality? Were indeed um, many factors associated with mortality in the study. The most important ones were, well, not surprising, um, invasive mechanical ventilation as, uh, and age. Uh, those were the most important ones, but also others were um, associated with mortality, such as uh, acute kidney injury. Again, not a big surprise. So we also analyzed the admission to surge capacity beds, and I already mentioned, no associated with outcome in this multivariable analysis. And all of this was also confirmed in the sensitivity analysis on patients requiring mechanical ventilation already on admission to the ICU. The, probably the most severely ill patients that uh, we admitted. So, Young, thank you so much for taking the time to join me today on this podcast, and thank you again. Thanks, Emilio. It was really a pleasure to, to do so, and, and let me also take the opportunity to thank all investigators and everybody who contributed to the study uh, for their efforts, also the research committee at uh, ESICM and the uh, team uh, at ESICM, we, we do realize uh, that this was a huge challenge in a difficult period, but we're confident that, that many important insights have already come from this study and will come in the future. We will be um, further digging to all the um, 
the data and there's more to come for sure. Finally, I would like to add uh, that data collection uh, for United COVID edition 2021 has been just completed. So it will be really interesting to look at how the management of this patient has evolved and outcomes has changed in ICUs globally. Thank you, Jan, once again. My pleasure.